Welcome to One Penny at a Time. I'm your host, Harris Elliott. Welcome to episode two of the podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about Stock Market 101. Um, In this episode, I want to make sure that there's a lot of terms, abbreviations, and a lot of important things I'll be talking about throughout the duration of the series of this podcast. So I'm going to break down, break down those definitions so that to make sure that you understand you're following me, how I'm going along with everything, and we're on the same page and for future episodes as well. At the end, I'm going to be talking about some basic rules that I use to how to build my stock portfolio or essentially things that I use to base off at least to get a start on everything. Uh, before I do go over that, though, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has taken the time to listen to the first episode, to to give feedback by writing me on my social media, uh, just taking the time. I, I you, you have no idea how much this means to me. I had did not expect to get this much amount of listens or feedback on episode one. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to spend this time with me. So if you love what you're hearing with what I'm doing at one penny at a time, make sure to subscribe to your podcast provider and to make sure to leave a rating that does help the algorithm and getting this out there to more people. So again, I appreciate it. So let's go ahead and let's talk about basic terms that you're going to hear me talk about on a very frequent manner on this podcast. So with investing, there's so many key terms and there's so many things that if you like try to Google, you're going to find out there. I'm going to keep it very short and simple to the ones that I know I'm going to be using very frequently here. Down the road, as we kind of grow in this journey, if anything else comes new that we add on to it, I'll make sure to take the time to describe that. So let's start off with the very first thing. So you want to get into investing. You're going to need a broker. Now, you may ask, what's a broker? Think about it this way. A broker is the platform you're going to use to invest. Um, An example of some brokers may be your Robinhoods, your M1 Finances, your Charles Schwab accounts, your SoFis. Essentially, think about this as like the, the bucket that's holding the money and your stocks. So that whenever I say the word broker, that's what we're going to go into that. Another term you're going to hear me use a lot in this podcast is unrealized loss or gain. Now, an unrealized loss or gain is essentially the stock that I'm holding, whether it's in the green, making that the position is making money, or if it's in the red, meaning that it's not making money. Now, the key thing when it says unrealized is that we have not sold out of the stock. So you technically don't have a gain or a loss until you officially sell it back into the market, which brings me to the next point then of capital gain or loss, which is exact. It's the same concept that I explained with unrealized, except that at this point you have sold your position, whether at a profit or at a loss. And that's what a capital gain or loss would mean. Um, the one of the main things you're going to hear me say probably a thousand times in this podcast is the word dividend. And that is my favorite word in the stock market. A dividend is when a company 
shares a portion of their profits to the shareholders. Now, every company has different amounts of dividends that they pay and how many times a year they pay it. Um, for the most part, dividends are paid out every quarter. There are some companies that make exceptions, though, that do pay monthly, yearly, or twice a year. But for the most part, it's a quarterly thing. Now, with dividends comes a very important word, which will be used to think of what you want to use when you're going to look at stocks, which is called a dividend yield. Now, you might be asking to yourself, what the heck is a dividend yield? A dividend yield is essentially an annual dividend per share divided by the stock's price. You might be saying to me, Harris, I still have no idea what you're saying. Speak to me, <laughs> speak to me in like a more simple way. And that's a great way to bring in an example. So a dividend yield. I'm going to use uh, Coca-Cola as an example because, you know, it's just a very popular company and just want to use this as an example here. So uh, at the time of this recording, uh, this is uh, on Sunday, the 28th of August, 2022, Coca-Cola share, the price is $63.11. Now, Coca-Cola pays currently a 44 cent dividend every quarter. Now, if you times that by four, so essentially 44 cents times times four is going to equal $1.76. So Coca-Cola pays you $1.76 every single year for, for each one share that you hold in the company. Now, if you do the division and the math into that, that equals a 2.79% yield. Pretty decent. So when we talk about a dividend yield, that's how I'm getting to that number or that term. So that way you understand kind of what we're talking about here with that. Now, other terms you're going to hear me say is ticker symbol. Now, ticker symbol is pretty straightforward. Think of that as like the code name or the abbreviation of how you want to look it up in a stock market. If you want to look up Coca-Cola in the stock market, their ticker, their ticker symbol will be the letter K and the letter O. And if you write that into your broker, you can pull it up there and then you can look up the information of what uh, the price is, uh, how the stock's going up and down on a certain amount of time. And a lot of brokers will also include some links on there, which is like recent news on the companies and this other events like that. So it's pretty cool for that. Now, other things you're going to hear me talk about a lot here is it's called the ETF. So the letter E, the letter T, and the letter F. That is an abbreviation for exchange traded fund. Now, same thing. You must be asking yourself, Harris, what the heck's an ETF? It's a great question. So an ETF, think of it this way. A stock is one company. An ETF is a basket full of companies. So if you want to diversify and 
say, instead of putting $1 into Coke, you could put $1 into ETF and that ETF may have a hundred holdings in it or 500 holdings into it or more. Every ETF is different as far as what is in the basket. So that's going to depend upon what you're trying to look for and how you want to diversify. But some people, and honestly, for somebody who's a beginner and may not still know how to break down a company, an ETF is a great way to at least start your stock portfolio as the risk is generally a little bit lower because you have your $1, for example, going into so many other companies that helps minimize the stock price dropping a lot or going up a lot. So it's a good way to mitigate risk. Another abbreviation you'll hear you'll hear me say a lot here is called a REIT. A REIT, and that's going to be letter R, the letter E, the letter I, the letter T, stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. Now, that is a, a type of stock, but they are real estate related. Now, REITs have that definition because for them to be qualified as a REIT, they have to pay out 90% of their profits back to the shareholders, and which in turn for them gives them tax benefits from the government. I'm going to keep it to that for now. Uh, going over REITs is for a whole other episode. I just wanted to make sure, though, at least I gave you some basic definitions to at least you know, kind of at least when you hear that in the future, it's like, oh, I remember Harry was talking about this. Now, we talked about a broker. Now, if you want to do your own stock portfolio, you got your broker, you know which broker you want to use. Now, what type of account you're going to open? And you must be going, wait, there's more than one account? Oh, yes, there is. I'm going to talk about three types of accounts. There are more than this, but these are the most common ones that are used throughout, you know, throughout people in today's society, at least for today. And we're going to talk about a 401k, a Roth IRA, and a taxable account. Let's start off with a 401k. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have heard that term before at their job or at their work. And a 401k essentially is a tax account that is normally get that's grabbed through your employer. And some benefits to a 401k include uh, tax benefits for yourself. So when you do a 401k, when you're putting money into that account, you are not being taxed for that right now, only when down in the future, when once you retire, you then start grabbing money out of the account. So that's a good way to move taxes into the future. Also, another benefit with a 401k is that employers may offer a match. So for example, let's say that your employer says, hey, we will match you dollar for dollar up to 5%. So let's say that out of your paycheck, you put 5% into your 401k. And for just to throw out an arbitrary number, let's say that that 5% of your check is $150. Your employer will 
put in $150 as well as your $150 creating that match. Essentially, free money. And it's a great way to help build up some money for retirement in a pretty quick manner because essentially whatever you're going to put in there, if they match it, it's essentially doubling it every time you put in money. Now, 401k, you must ask yourself, if I don't have to pay taxes right now, why do I put all my money into that? Well, you can't. The government has rules for that. The, as far as um, for this year, for this tax year, the maximum amount of money you can put into a 401k is $20,500. So there is a cap on it. So that is something to keep in mind. So that's definitely, you know, a good thing though. I mean, 20,000, you know, over $20,000, it's a pretty good amount in a pretty good amount of money to put in into an account and let it grow tax-free for now. I mean, it's until you have to pull out the money essentially whenever that time comes in your life. Now, some cons. As I talked about, that money is meant strictly for retirement. You can't really pull out the money right now. If you do, there are some stipulations. For example, if you want to pull out some of that money right now, you're going to get taxed on that money. And there's always a fee, generally a 10% fee. So it's a big hit to the account. So that's just like in the general thing. There's a lot of other cons and like, you know, pros about 401ks, but I'm just trying to keep this as basic as possible. Another type of account, as I mentioned, is a Roth IRA. Now, a Roth IRA is also a retirement account where you can put in money into that tax-free. Now, let's get into detail into that. For a Roth IRA, it's think about it this way. Once you get your paycheck, you're already taxed. So you already got all your taxes paid out. And with that post-tax dollar, you put it into a Roth. The money you put into a Roth IRA for the whole duration of the life of that, it grows tax-free. And when you pull out that money, it is tax-free. And same thing you must think to yourself. like, Harris, I'm just going to put all my money into a Roth IRA. Not so fast, as always. There's always those stipulations that go into that. You can only contribute up to at least tax year 2022. It does change with some years. You can only contribute $6,000 a year. And there's income stipulations on there. So if you're filing single on your taxes, your gross, you know, your grace ADI, pretty much what your income is in the eyes of the government, as long as you make less than $144,000, you can participate with that. Pretty cool. Now, if you're filing married, if you it's between you and your spouse, uh, $208,000 is that limit. A pretty good sizable amount. So as long as you make less than those amounts, you can go ahead and you can create your own Roth IRA. Now, some caveats to that. If you, if you don't mind letting that money sit for a long time, it might be a good option for you. As I said, it grows tax-free. You can't take any money out of that account without penalty or tax until you're 59 and a half years old. So if you can wait that long, 
and once you get to that age start pulling out money every all the dividends all the money that is grown in appreciation is 100 tax-free so it's a great option for that as you said there's some cons there but a lot of pros and then the last term for the account we're going to talk about your regular taxable brokerage account that's your your robin hood your normal account that you put money into there's no you can put as much money as you want to it um, some brokers will have limits on how much you can put per day but essentially you're not being capped as far as how much you could put into there now taxes on those types of accounts are just normal so essentially is you know if you buy and if you sell any holding it does create a taxable event as in like the same sense when you're getting dividends it creates a taxable event um it's the it's the more popular one for it now a positive thing for that is let's say if you have your portfolio and something you know you have to pull the money out you're not going to get any type of penalties like you would in a roth or a 401k but obviously you know whatever tax it is it is for your next tax year when you have to file then that'll reflect onto there when you have to do your filing so i'm gonna go back here those are the basic terms i'm going to be using in this podcast now i'm gonna talk about some simple rules that i use on how i built my portfolio and what i look for so my rule number one is invest in everyday products that i use in my life and companies that i believe in that have a good future ahead of them have good numbers and are consistently growing their business i'm going to give you three examples of stocks that i have in my portfolio that i use pretty frequently apple i don't think i need to give you a definition of what apple is apple is the it's the largest company in the world as far as uh dollar size it is who doesn't have an iphone everybody has an iphone not only people think about the iphone the ipad and the imac apple is also one of the largest if not the largest subscription company think about apple as apple music icloud apple tv and much more Another example, Target. Every time I go to Target, I know I'm not coming out empty-handed. Me and my wife, we love going to Target. It, it's kind of like a bonding experience. And you essentially can, if you go to Target, you know, you're buying from a retailer. But then you think about all the other companies I have in my portfolio that I buy at Target. For example, Apple products. Coca-Cola products, 3M products, Procter & Gamble products. So if I go to Target to buy these products, I have an opportunity to buy other companies that are retailing at Target that I have in the portfolio. And a last example I want to use is Best Buy. Best Buy, I've been going there since I was a teenager. And essentially, every major electronic purchase I've ever done has been through Best Buy for a couple reasons. One, uh, their credit card is the is the most friendliest way to make a big purchase 
in my honest opinion. But as well, I have never had a bad experience going to Best Buy. I always get great customer service. I I personally love going there and it's just a great time. So I just want to use those as basic examples that in the future we'll go over more specifics and like the business side of it. But I just want to kind of tell you about basic things of what I look for in, in some companies. Another rule I have is invest in what you know. Don't take advice blindly. Kind of like we always say, only invest in companies that you really know about if you're not really deep into the stock market. Um you know, and like I said, on the, we said like social media or like YouTube, which is a very popular for this kind of stuff. You know, there's these people who talk about stocks or companies you've never heard of. And you're like, okay, I'm going to emulate this person. You put a hundred dollars into it. The next day you lost half your money. So just take advice with a grain of salt, even coming from me, I'm just documenting my journey. Uh, I would not, I would never tell you to emulate what I'm doing. Just, you know, listen out and do what you think is best for yourself. Another thing is like to do is invest what you're comfortable losing. Don't put your life savings into the stock market. If you're comfortable putting in $20 a month, that's what you put in. If you're comfortable putting $200 a month, that's what you put in. So on, so on, so forth is, what you're comfortable losing if the market was to take a major hit, that's what you should put into the stock market. Don't, you know, don't put your rent money in there to make a quick buck and then kind of get it back because you never, the market is unpredictable. It can skyrocket one day. It can go down to earth very quickly another day. There's no way of knowing. We're not Madam Cleo. We don't have the crystal ball to make those predictions. Not even the best investors can make those predictions. Another thing here I like to always talk about. And I mentioned this in the first episode, don't get emotional. This is long-term investing. When in the first episode, I talked about whenever there's like a correction or a crash, I get excited because I'm long-term and I can buy companies at a discount. Now I'm going to go back and use our dividend yield as an example of why I get excited. We talked about Coke having a 2.79% yearly yield on $63. Let's just say that Coke had some drop in the market and now that stock price is $55. The dividend yield is going to change. For the most part, the dividend in the quarter stays the same at $0.44. But if you buy one share of Coke at $55 with a $1.76 yearly dividend, Instead of getting 2.79% back, you're now getting 3.20, so 3.20% back. So your dollar is working more for you when those things happen. If you're, like I said, and in the episode when I talked about if you're a day trader or a gambler, none of this applies because you're just literally just going with the swing. But when you're doing long term, this is a great example of why I personally right now enjoy stock market crashes because I get an opportunity to put the, the same amount of money I put every week or every month, but getting more from my dollar. Now, another tip, there's no specific rule for this, but if you're a, if you're a beginner or rookie person in the stock market, you want to keep the amount of stocks you have in your broker to a limit. Now for myself, 
I feel comfortable having 30 holdings in my portfolio at this time. If you're still trying to learn the market and you don't know a lot about it, you want to keep it as simple as possible. So for example, five to 10 holdings or stocks in your broker may be a good start and build off of that as you start getting more comfortable. And then you decide to maybe, hey, I think I want to expand a little bit more. I feel more comfortable. I got more, I got a decent amount of money in these holdings. Let's try to build off of that. That's just the basic rule of thumb, but there's really no right or wrong. There's some people that are have 60 up to 100 stocks in their portfolios, and that's fine if they have the capability of managing that and feeling comfortable with that. Now, these are all the basic things that we I wanted to go over in this episode. And again, I can't thank everybody enough for all the support. Uh, everybody who's contacted me, who has shared everything and believes in what I'm trying to teach here with One Penny at a Time. Um, in the bottom on the episode in the description, um, I will have some links there for some tools that I use. So for example, I have what's called Omni Calculator. That's a good way to calculate a dividend yield without having to do all the math in your head. It's pretty simple. It's free. So I'm going to have a link down to that as well. I'm going to have a link tree link down to my social media accounts if you do want to follow me as well as some other products that I'm using in my portfolio. Just remember, guys, whether it's paying off debt, investing or saving up for the future, we're all going to reach our goal one penny at a time. I'm Harris Elliott. Thank you for taking your time to listen to me today.